0: calling Dick Tracy. Come in, Dick Tracy. A podcast is in progress. Okay, folks, and welcome to a new minute of the Dick Tracy Minute podcast discussing 1990s comic book oyster Eaten extravaganza Dick Tracy at the rate of one minute of screen time per one of our episodes. My name's Parker. My name is
1: Rob, and my Tracy is less exposed than usual, but only because it's a very cold day. <laughs> cold day in the old city.
0: Yeah, no, I don't know. It's it's in both shoes, and it's all the time. Oh, hi there, folks. All right, it's minute seven today, t- uh, picking up right where we left off in the middle of Madonna's uh, song, Sooner or Later. The last lyric we heard was, uh, I want to love you and you all alone. We pick up right back into the song. Uh, we're still tracking in on Madonna. Very much so. Yes, very much so. Um, what do you think about this shot where we really get to see her up close, Rob? I think it's just as
1: spectacular as it was last week, except we're just inching ever so slightly closer to her, so it's even more spectacular. Uh, I know I know that th- this is mostly a family podcast. <laughs> I do want to highlight one very specific protrusion that I noticed uh, watching the movie this time. <laughs> I've seen this movie 80,000 times. On my eighty thousand and first and first time, I did notice just a, a slight protrusion On the left-hand side of Madonna's chest, Uh, this isn't the last time we'll see such a protrusion. (laughs) I feel, I feel like Mandy Patinkin in the background of the shot, just gawking like longingly at Madonna from afar. (laughs) That's that. that was my role last week, and continues to be my
0: role this week. But uh, but let's continue. So, yeah, zooming past whatever uh, protuberances might come up, uh, zooming on right up to Madonna's face here, we see she's wearing these really cool, kind of dangly Art Deco earrings. Yes. I have never noticed them in this shot before rewatching it for this minute but obviously the earrings do come up again pretty soon as a piece of crime scene evidence.
1: I've actually I've I've written down breathless earrings as well because I also noticed that the 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 shot kind of hangs on her face and you see the earrings kind of mm. shudder a little bit and and that is very very important later on. We see we see the same thing happen again when she's wearing them later on in the movie. So yeah. cool that that's in there.
0: Yeah, and just, uh, it's just like this really nice shot of Madonna's face. Her hair is enormous right here. It's almost, it's interesting because it's like, it's authentic kind of 1930s entertainer hair, but it's also pretty contemporary 1990 hair here. She's got this huge kind of blown out curly cloud of blonde hair. Kind of just looks like an angel in the middle of it. Like, yeah, it's. Yeah, and and the, the the lighting on her hair
1: is amazing. The hair lighting across this minute is is really really strong, even for characters who don't have a lot of hair. <laughs> like uh, I'm I'm looking at Mandy Patinkin in the background of the shot, and there's a <laughs> lovely kind of splash of purple just over his head. Yes, but but throughout the whole scene, everyone's kind of hair lighting is just really on point. But yeah, no, I 100% agree. Madonna's hair, like it is somewhat timeless, but it also very firmly stamps the movie in the '90s. Mm-hmm. And and I kind of wonder like did she have some amount of say over her appearance in the movie and, and how she was dressed and stuff like that? Because I feel like she probably did. Like she was at the height of her powers at that stage. So could be she probably had some say in, in how her hair was dressed and how the, you know, the dresses she wore and stuff like that. Um, I, I really like just kind of towards the end of the song, she she kind of just shudders like, in her whole like she takes in a deep breath, and her whole body just shudders, and her hair kind of shudders with her. Yes, but it's um, it's it's really I I just find it so kind of iconic and just tastefully sexy, uh, as so much of this movie is. Yeah, um, that classy kind of like it's you know what it is, it's sultry. I I want to ask you a question, right? So the, the it starts with "Sooner is better than later," but lover, what what actually is the next line? Because I'm still confused. So, I hear her mm-hmm. say. I'll hover a blend.
0: Oh, it's... But I don't know what that means. <laughs> it is, I'll hover, I'll plan. I see. And that that's setting up... It's a bit of nice foreshadowing here because Madonna has some plans throughout this film, as we will see as it goes on.
1: Very interesting.
0: There's also... Uh yeah I think the song wraps up here without the enormous kind of crescendo it does like different versions of the song that we'll hear throughout, throughout the film. The most prominent one has this incredible last verse that builds to this this crescendo of like all her longings coming together and and this version just kind of like classily ends just with a regular line and it's like the song isn't quite fully I'm
1: holding my <laughs> <laughs> very
0: nice. And it's actually we cut to lips, and the crowd is kind of just oh like boy, do we. <laughs> talking behind them, and they notice the song's over, and they do the thing where it's like, oh, the song's over now. It will turn around and and clap, but in the meantime, they were just kind of getting some room tone in there. Again,
1: seen this movie eight million times. This is the first time I've noticed just the care and attention they've put into how they've dressed the extras behind lips as well yeah so the hats yeah the, the, all the hats the women all have lovely earrings they're all wearing different colored dresses but they're they're all very firmly within the the strict palace that Warren Beatty has set up in this movie mm-hmm. and uh they're talking animatedly and it, it feels a little bit more natural than maybe some of the extras did in in previous minutes uh, <laughs> no it's 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 very very well put together i have to say
0: there's a, there's actually there's a waiter in the background that I had to zoom in on to make sure that they weren't just reusing the now legendary box office guy extra. <laughs> they do look quite alike, but the waiter has a mustache. I'm I'm 99% sure it's a different guy. So yeah, so it's it's back to Lips. Lips really goes for it with this last oyster. Like it goes to him and he's he's just tearing into this one. It's a you got a real big <laughs> Um And uh, this is actually, this is the first time I've noticed throughout this minute that he's got a rose in his tuxedo lapel. Yes. Kind of, it's kind of like a Marlon Brando in the Godfather detail. And I actually, this is, this is the first time I've really thought of it probably since the first time I ever saw the movie decades ago. But I feel like Lips is kind of subtly being set up to be the big villain of the film. If you're just going in totally blank, this scene feels like this is where we meet the big mob boss. He looks like Brando. He's got the tuxedo and the rose and the cheeks and everything. And uh, it's it's kind of like a fake out for later. What do you think of that? That's a really good point. I, I,
1: I'd i never thought about that before. Because, like, you know, my entire relationship with this film comes from those audio action adventures. So I don't, uh, like, <laughs> I, I didn't come to the movie before that. So, But I feel like you're absolutely right. If you were watching this blind, like, and you didn't know anything about the hype, you didn't know about Al Pacino or anything like that, you would be inclined to think, oh, yeah, well, obviously, this is the bad guy of the movie. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point.
0: So there's that, and then, uh, actually, yeah, I said it was the last oyster earlier. It wasn't. Oh, no, it's, they keep coming. <laughs> immediately, Lips gets a fresh plate. They, they're coming throughout this whole scene. But uh, as he continues with these oysters, we get a walk-on by one of the oh. all-time great character actors. Here he is. Baby. As ever, just in a bit part in this film. Take it away. Oh, thank you, Parker. I'm so happy. I I, I I just I
1: somehow completely forgot. I feel like every time I watch this, Same. I'm delighted by the fact that Robert Costanzo just very briefly like saunters into the movie and saunters back out again. Robert Costanzo the great Robert Costanzo. The, the very, very great Robert Costanzo. For anyone who doesn't know, I mean the the most important kind of um role for us that he's played was he voices uh Detective Harvey Bullock in Batman the Animated Series. And all the kind of subsequent spin-offs they did of that. So he he played Harvey Bullock for roughly kind of ten or fifteen years. I don't like that animated. bet, you know. It was, <laughs> it was I, I always
0: just remember in Mask of the Phantasm. <laughs> <doesn't>
1: freeze.
0: <laughs> but um What you didn't save me any donuts? But my my Costanzo is so generic. Uh, as you said as well, he's
1: in absolutely everything. He's just one of those classic, classic character actors. And most recently Myself and my girlfriend are re-watching uh, Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. Oh, yeah. He's in two of the most iconic episodes as two completely different characters. He's in the episode The Foundling, which for anyone who doesn't... Is he the informant guy? he He's not an informant guy. With but the food or the... He's kind of... Okay. So in The Foundling, he owns a pawn, a pawn shop. So The Foundling, for anyone who doesn't watch Lois and Clark, The Foundling is the episode where Clark discovers he's from Krypton and he finds this like Kryptonian orb type thing. And then this, like, street urchin kid steals it. Not unlike the kid in this movie. <laughs> he steals it and tries to sell it to a pawn shop or something. And, and Robert Costanzo is the pawn shop owner, but he's kind of a little bit shady himself. And he has the line, I know a guy who knows a guy. <laughs> and he says that, like, multiple times in the episode. And then he comes back in what many people believe to be the best episode of the whole show, which is an episode called Tempest Fugitive, where he, oh, yeah. he is a, a gun shop owner. And uh, Tempest, who's his time traveling villain, turns up and is delighted by the fact that you could just buy guns, you know, in the twentieth century. And he buys all these Uzis and stuff. Then he um, he refuses to pay for them and he holds Robert Costanzo up and he steals all his gold
0: chains. Yeah, he holds him up like the Terminator. I remember that actually from the first time. So that's crazy. But yeah.
1: So uh, but then obviously he plays Harvey Bullock in like you know a million episodes of the animated series.
0: Every different animated series, like because uh, he he was one of the longest running DCAU voices. I think he's. he's He's in as many series as like any of the lead superheroes, he pops up here and there, but yeah, it's
1: important to say as well Harvey Bullock was not like an A list character in Batman comics when they made that cartoon. He was kind of like, Oh, Costanza made him, Costanza made him, right? But if you go on to www.wikipedia.com and you type in Harvey Bullock. The fucking opening paragraph is like Harvey Bullock. Da, 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 da. The character was played by Donald Logue in the in the fucking TV show Gotham. God. And that's it. They don't say anything about Robert Costanzo. And you have to scroll all the way down to like in other media to find any mention of him. It makes me sick.
0: Somebody sh somebody should edit that Wikipedia page. If only we could. If only we knew how. If only we could, sooner or later. Actually and to be fair though, to the great Donald Logue. He was, from what little I saw of Gotham, Donalogue was carrying that whole show and his bullock was where it was at.
1: Donal Logue is a, is a great character
0: But he's no Robert Costanzo. I was actually, I was having a look at Costanzo's backstory on uh, the very same Wikipedia. It turns out he's the son of Carmine Costanzo. Oh. Which is a great New York City kind of name. But I, and it said actor Carmine Costanzo. I found him on IMDb. He's only got one credit and it's a, it's a movie he made with his son, Robert Costanzo, in the 90s, called With Friends Like These. And the premise of this movie is four small-time, two-bit character actors, all cro- close friends, are competing for the same important part in the next Martin Scorsese mob film. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Which to me sounds it sounds like a tweet that we would write yeah. as like a fake Lois and Clark plot. By the way, follow us on uh, Lois and Clark Season 5 on Twitter. Parker, I,
1: I've just, I've, I'm I've i just just scrolling through Robert Costanza's IMDb and I completely forgot one of my favorite Robert Costanza roles of all time that isn't anything to do with Batman or Superman.
0: I think I know which one this might be. I, I, I think you do too. <laughs> Surprise me. There is an episode of Beverly
1: Hills 90210. Um, this is
0: not what I was expecting.
1: <laughs> it is a Christmas episode, okay? And the plot of the episode is that the, all the gang are fighting with each other. Oh, of course. They're on the school bus. Nobody is talking to each other. And the school bus is about to crash into a drunken truck driver, right? (laughs) Cut to the drunken truck driver. He's literally got like a bottle of whiskey in his hand and he's like swigging from the... Like it's it's such a ridiculous show. Merry Christmas. Then cut to heaven. I say that again. Cut to heaven. And we have two angels, like exactly like (laughs) It's a Wonderful Life where it's just two stars that light up when they're talking. And uh Clarence, the angel Clarence, is played by Robert Costanzo, and he decides to save the the, the <laughs> gang of West Beverly by turning the school bus into like a metaphysical or like a phantom school bus that drives straight through the the <laughs> drunken driver. It's the craziest episode of the first kind of three years of the show. I say the first. Where was, three was that years,
0: angel when Scott Scanlon was plugging himself? Fucking
1: shot himself in the face. That Robert Costanzo could have saved the day there. I tell you what,
0: <laughs> Costanzo was at. The big pastrami buffet that goes on every three hours in heaven, and in that minute of time, Scott Scanlon, R.I.P. What was the role
1: you thought I was going to say? Because there's another one here that I'm just looking at that I definitely want to talk about, but I feel like you had a
0: well af- after many years of uh, illustrious kind of bit parts and classics. Like he's, I saw he's, uh, he's a random uh, uncredited policeman in Dog Day Afternoon. He's paint store customer in Saturday Night Fever. But right, uh, I guess the same year as Dick Tracy, another one of the greatest films of all time from 1990 total recall. He is, that's what I was figured you were oh, going because yeah. he's, he's Schwarzenegger's construction site buddy at the beginning of total recall who tells him about the pro recall, recall, recall the, uh, the recall center where you can go at these vacation memories. And then later he's, uh, he's, he's like the, the sleeper agent that, or he's the, he's the handler for Schwarzenegger's character and that, what are you doing here? You blabbed, Quaid. You blabbed. <laughs> um, you familiar with uh, Total Recall at all? there? I've I've seen Total Recall
1: maybe twice, and I've always fallen asleep before oh, the end. I I do need to make a point. Good of God, properly watching it
0: because you gotta see it man it's yeah. it is everything verhoven and everything schwarzenegger it's kind of peak arnold well, that, that's exactly but, what i was yeah. gonna say
1: i love arnold and i love paul verhoven so it's it's kind of madness that i haven't kind of properly watched it we did go to see it in the cinema a couple of years ago oh, at a grindhouse true. screening but it was at 11 o'clock at night and uh it, for, for any <laughs> listeners who don't know me if if i go to something at 11 o'clock at night and i've had a couple of beers i'm going to fall asleep uh, and that's exactly what happened, Mister Midnight. Mister Midnight again. strikes again. the The final Robert Costanza role. I just wanted to shine a little bit of a light on before we move on. He played a in 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 just one episode of uh, the TV show Friends. He played Mister Joseph Tribbiani Senior.
0: Yeah, I forgot it's just the one episode because he makes he makes such an impression.
1: But yeah, Joey Tribbiani's
0: father, and, and, and you kind of
1: learn everything you need to know about Joey in that one episode and that like. His dad is also this womanizer, philanderer kind of thing, and he can't stay faithful to his mother. But his mother has kind of just let it go at this stage because it just it makes their marriage work in a weird way. So, yeah, it is a memorable episode, and what a memorable guy. He's still with us, apparently. He's still working away. Yeah. God bless him. He's I, done, he's done some know.
0: recent stuff. I mean, so he did a... He voiced a Sopranos video game, like, in the 2000s, and he was also in that movie Food Fight, the CGI one that got deleted for years and then brought back. And it, anyway, he played Maximilian Moves in that. And he's been in a couple uh, movies since. One called Once Upon a Time in Brooklyn, and another called The Last Days of Coney Island. So two great New York-y sounding Robert Costanzo flicks from the past couple years to check out.
1: I'm I'm just looking at his video game credits as well. So he obviously, you know, being a character actor, he's in a bunch of video games. He played Harvey Bullock in uh, The Adventures of Batman and Robin, which came out in 1994. And then he re- he reprised his role as Harvey Bullock. In 2013's Batman Arkham Origins.
0: Yeah, I didn't know he was, no, that's that's terrific. That's the one Arkham game I haven't played, and it's uh, it's awesome that they uh, poached another one from the animated cast for that. I, I've
1: only played that through once. It's it's my least favorite of those games. So I'd forgotten that he was in it, but that's that's
0: really really great that he is. Where where is he in the Nolan films though? Right there, 2008, just cast Robert Costanzo as live action Harvey Bullock. Yeah, why not? What a pity! What a pity! But here we are actually now did you notice he's got this this big kind of scar on the side of his head Here, i did notice that right when he talks to lips i've never noticed that before and i don't know if that's a real life thing no i i feel like that's a we're watching
1: dick tracy and every bad guy in dick tracy has to have some <laughs> kind of level of prosthesis even if they're in the movie for five seconds which he i feel like it's it's in and around literally five seconds that he's in the movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's well. So, I, yeah, I'm assuming it's a Dick Tracy makeup thing too. But you never. It could have. It could have been from some scrap Robert Costanzo got into. You know, on the mean streets of Brooklyn back in the day. Yeah. Perhaps over a game of stickball, or somebody trying to take over uh, the protection racket on a bagel shop.
1: Maybe maybe that's the reason he never gets the big roles, and and Danny DeVito. By the way, I should mention, the very top line of Robert Costanzo's Wikipedia, it says he often serves as a voice double for Danny DeVito. Yeah, like, where? So <laughs> What are they talking like, about? I, yeah, I don't know. But, like, I, I literally, I pictured them both at an audition, like, for like a short Italian-American man, and they take one look <laughs> at Danny DeVito and one look at Robert Costanzo, they go, oh, you know, Robert, you're great, but you've got that big scar in your head, you know? I think we're going to go with this guy.
0: Oh, God, end that kind of discrimination. And then Danny DeVito's like, yeah, but don't worry. I'm going to let you be my voice double. Thanks, DeVito. How generous of you. Jesus. He doesn't sound anything like Danny DeVito. He doesn't sound He sounds nothing like him. He sounds. Yeah. All right.
1: <laughs> He's got like a much softer, smoother, like Italian-American gangster voice, whereas Danny DeVito has this like violent kind of. <laughs> you didn't invite me. So I
0: crashed. They did this to me. So I'll do that to them. <laughs> Man, Costanzo should have—they should have used him a lot more in this film. 100. percent But uh, actually, speaking of uh, the mellifluous voice of Robert Costanzo, his li- his one line here—it's—it's it's like the the quintessential mob movie line ever. Did you note down what this was? Yes,
1: I did actually. Bad news on the garage. They bumped them all off. I, I I'm missing the middle bit, but it's something to that effect.
0: Bad but- news on the bad news from the garage. Lips. They bumped them all off. A man are getting very nervous, which is which is really important because it it,
1: it it ties us in, like and it's another one of those bits that like when you when you watch the movie normally it kind of just washes right over you because everything is happening so quickly. It's grown up stock, but when you're like sitting down analyzing it minute by minute, you really notice. Okay, they're they're tying it back to that previous scene. Mm-hmm. We know that those were all Lips's men. Mm-hmm. Someone is moving in on his territory. So I thought that was really really interesting.
0: Yes, yeah, am another one of those things. I, I don't know if I've ever. I mean, I've like passively absorbed it in the past, like, you know, ten or so adult viewings, but certainly never as a kid. And, and he barely gets to the end of this line before he notices Breathless coming in behind him, and he hops to it, pulls out his own chair for Breathless to sit down in.
1: Again, very, very interesting. Just like the guy handing lips to plates last week or in the previous minute like it's almost like this is a routine like they're they're all so well rehearsed they know exactly what lips wants and like what lips expects and like as soon as breathless is approaching you know robert costanza knows oh that's me done i gotta get up i gotta you know pull the chair out for i i thought that was really cool and again never noticed it before
0: so yeah the lovely breathless mahoney slips into that chair costanzo takes his leave from this film tragically uh, and a waiter swoops in, champagne, Miss Mahoney, and she doesn't even acknowledge it. She just kind of sneers, and he pours yeah. her a glass of champagne in these nice James Bond-style champagne coupes. Beautiful. This this is also the first time we see lips in profile here, very distinctly. It's like an exact hard profile shot, and we see that not only does he have the pros- like the not only does Paul Servino have the prosthetic lower face and lips and stuff, he, they've given him this kind of like really sculpted aquiline nose. Do you notice this? Yes, yes. It almost kind of looks... This is kind of what Dick Tracy's nose looks like in the comics. And I'm kind of wondering, was this the leftover nose that they whipped up for Warren Beatty? <laughs> and then described... And then it's the, the
1: logic... Well, we can't just throw this nose away. Yeah, it's very kind of hawk-like. Almost what you'd call a fine Roman nose.
0: Yes, yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um. So, <laughs> So he sits down... Uh, he's still scarfing these oysters like George Costanza scarfing shrimp. And what's he say here? Beautiful, Brettless,
1: as always. Beautiful. <laughs> and she responds, do you mind if I leave? Why? I get sick when you eat. You didn't used to. <laughs> you didn't used to be a Zeppelin. <laughs> That's Zef- Which, I, as a kid, I never knew what, what her response there was. It, because she kind of fades away. She doesn't deliver that last line very well. It's kind. Of, you didn't used to be a Zeppelin. It's it it's difficult to make out the first kind of 90,000 times you see the movie.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that back when I first saw this, uh all blimps were just blimps to me. I don't think I'd ever heard the term <laughs> zeppelin or dirigible at the time. Uh I remember not knowing what this line was for for a while. I'm pretty sure as a kid I even took it to my parents and played the line for them and they figured it out. Mm-hmm. and it's like yeah he didn't used to be and it's also the line itself is interesting cuz it gives us this sort of mental picture of like a young hot lips manless
1: yes yeah
0: like did she have did like breathless actually have something going on with like lips in his prime
1: i feel like it's it's probably similar to the the tony montana michelle pfeiffer kind of dynamic in scarface where you know she was probably attracted to his power and his kind of domineering personality initially his lips and his nice lips and then you know as the years go by like literally this is what happens in scarface um as the years go by his kind of indulgences and his vices just just grow and grow and grow until she just can't stand the sight of him so it's probably a similar kind of thing here how'd you get those lips
0: manless Eating oysters (laughs) (laughs) That might be how it happened. You think the shells just got in? You wanna know? (laughs) Yeah. So four lips didn't used to be a Zeppelin, but uh breathless cuts him down to size. He doesn't seem to mind. He's he's just he's he's comfortable with who he is.
1: Yeah, it's like he's he's heard all this before, he doesn't care, you know, as long as she's doing what she's what what her, her role is, you know, he's he's content. He'll just keep eating his oysters, keep drinking his booze, keep wearing his horseshoe rings and his his classy,
0: elegant watch. <laughs> Love this guy. Love Lips manus Oh, man. Yeah. that Yeah. You can really see that diamond studded uh, horseshoe ring. And I think a Cartier watch on his uh, on his left hand. We have another excellent one line. Like, I don't know who this actor is. Yeah, this guy apparently forgot to look up, but he's got a great line. Lips! Lips! It's I love this guy. It's a raid! It's the cops! And he's talking right out the side of his mouth. Like, really, really vaudeville kind of pantomime style. It's great.
1: What What I love about this guy is, you know, I, I watched this for the first time with Sirsha my, uh, my partner, a couple of years ago. And she, like, I asked her kind of halfway through. I was like, you know, are, are you enjoying this? Do you like this movie? And she was like, yeah, it's it's, it's like a musical. And <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's exactly, I never realized before, that's exactly what it's like. It, it A lot of it does feel like a stage musical in a lot of ways.
0: Absolutely. And the way
1: this guy, the way this guy just kind of arrives from like stage right. Lips, it's a raid, it's the cops. <laughs> and then he just like
0: immediately leaves stage left. Yeah, exactly. He just like
1: walks out of the frame.
0: He was, this is a guy who had to plan to hit those marks like the first, time
1: yeah big time
0: i'm going to look this guy up. i'm gonna edit this long pause here as i look the guy up out the raid, it's the cops. yeah so i'm looking this guy up on uh imdb he's actually <laughs> right after costanzo um it looks like he had a bit part in, no sorry not dog day afternoon serpico
1: oh wow okay interesting
0: so this guy's name, yeah, is Jack Kehoe. Tons of early roles, same sort of stuff. The Sting, Serpico, different like crime classics. <laughs> He's in a film called The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> So, is else, that a
1: Michael Keaton biopic? <laughs>
0: <laughs> My name is Michael John Douglas. I was born a fish. <laughs> I'm from Pittsburgh. <laughs> um, the gang that couldn't shoot straight is another movie he's in. <laughs> Jesus, and more more of these great, just made up movie titles. He played a character named Scruggs in a movie called Car Wash. Um, oh, a character—he's in a movie called *On the Nickel*, where he played a character named Bad Mood, which sounds kind of like a Dick Tracy character. Oh, that's uh, that's Bad Nude Bahoni. <laughs> Let me retake that. Oh, that's uh, yeah, that's Bad Nude Bald. <laughs> 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 that's, that's, Talk about uh, <laughs> lips manless. Bad <laughs> Nude. Hey, look out! It's Bad Nude Baldoni. <laughs> I can't say bad mood. Oh, uh, moving on. Uh, He's in Reds. He's in Quincy Me because every one of these character actors were definitely seems to be one of these great unsung working act. Oh, he was in the Untouchables. Boom, take it away.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just love the idea that you know Al Pacino is approached by Warren, like not unlike Jack Nicholson in Batman. He's like you know Jack Nicholson. Was like sure I'll do your movie, but I I want my friend to have a role, and he, he gets his buddy. Um, what's his name again? Tracy Tracy Walters, Walter, the
0: great Tracy Walter. Tracy
1: Tracy Walters gets this really kind of shoved in role as Jack's um, or as the Joker's henchman in that movie, and he's great. Like he's
0: he's very memorable. He got an action figure, you know. Hey, I wouldn't get a role for you know my own mother if she wasn't right for the part. <laughs> yeah. Direct quote from the making of.
1: <laughs> but then I love the idea that Al Pacino had the exact same idea, just. Oh sure, I'll be in your cartoon movie, Warren. <laughs> but uh that, that that's Christopher Lloyd, it's not even Alpha cheap.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sure, Marty <laughs> Once we get this town car update Marty <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere I turn it's Dick Tracy, Marty <laughs> Jeez.
1: <laughs> I really want to see that movie.
0: Jeez, Doc, they're shutting down the crop the club Ritz tonight. <laughs> Oh man! Walnuts well, are good for the brain, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> you know who this guy plays? Actually, this guy is the road worker in Falling Down. Ah, very that, good. That uh, that Michael Douglas gives a hard time to about doing unnecessary construction oh, on yes, the sidewalk. Good, yeah. What do you? It's yeah, it's the gas lines. No, it isn't. You're just over budget. Okay, okay. And he forces them to admit whether or not it's true that uh they're not doing any real road work before douglas takes a rocket launcher to the street which is great really
1: good movie by the way if, if anybody is only familiar with joel schumacher from his batman movies like yeah he's made a bunch of like really really interesting like falling down is great phone booth is really good what other ones saint elmo's fire i think lost boys. obviously lost boys he's yeah. got some really really interesting movies not all of them were kind of critically acclaimed which is why you don't really always hear about them but I don't know. I really like some of Joe Schumacher's movies. Even,
0: even Flatliners is pretty good. And you get some good, uh, like, Elliot Goldenthal kind of scoring in that, I think. And, and some kind of giant graffiti face paintings that, that really sort of foreshadow the giant statues in his Batman mm. films. But yeah, the uh, Falling Down, such a great, great early 90s, like, pressure cooker movie. That's That's my favorite Michael Douglas role, for sure. Yeah. And this guy's great in that. Very good. So, yeah. <laughs> now, this is the end of the minute, but we just see in the distance... One of these cops coming in to raid the place, and we can just barely tell that there's something kind of creepy going on with this cop. He doesn't look quite right. Now,
1: on my, I'm consulting my YouTube uh, .youtube www.youtube.com version of the movie, Hmm. and uh, the minute ends with this this quote unquote police officer saying, "Owning and operating a ellipsis." So, Lips Manless, you're under arrest for owning and operating a. So does your minute end there, or is it
0: a little bit before that? My minute ends a little, a few seconds before that. The cop has just barely opened his mouth, yes. and we're doing a minute podcast. We should really sync yeah. up when the actual <laughs> minutes are. But yeah, it's a few seconds off. Uh, the cop hasn't quite started talking yet. You can just barely see him, and he's about to hold up his his raid notice, and he kind of looks. He looks like. When Mrs. Doubtfire takes off her glasses and wig, yeah. and you can tell that she doesn't look quite right and has a prosthetic face. Yeah, so something
1: is a little bit off here, and I think it's I think it's okay to say that you know that this cop is clearly wearing prosthesis, and um, it, it is something I have known before. I, I have noticed before. It's definitely something I noticed as a kid, and I remember thinking, "Oh, it's cool the way they did that," because now you know, mm-hmm. you, now you know that
0: this ain't no ordinary cop. Yeah,
1: something's up is all we'll say, you know.
0: Yeah not something i think i noticed until i'd watched the film a few times and certainly in the vhs days like it's way more uh, like clear now in the hd era yeah
1: it's definitely something you only really appreciate after you've seen the movie a few times and you kind of understand the rules about prosthetics in this movie a little bit exactly and um, because like the, the first time you watch it you're not going to realize that okay the bad guys yeah, are nearly all bad. made up and the good guys for the most
0: part yeah
1: like for the most part don't have any prosthetics there is a few exceptions
0: with the with the few exceptions it'd be interesting if over the course of the podcast we can come up with a hard and fast rule for who uh has the prosthetics and who doesn't but i don't think we will likely be able to i don't think there's one kind of magic yes or no very very good so lips has been summoned out of the lap luxury in this club and that brings this minute to a close and that brings us to the dick tracy highlights And now, boys and girls, the zip-zappin' super delicious taste of crackly flakes presents the Dick Tracy
1: Minute Highlights.
0: All right, what's your highlight of minute seven, Rob? So
1: if it was any other minute, uh, my highlight would definitely be the, the 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 crazy pantomime. Lips! It's the cops! <laughs> <laughs> I just, I love the, the staging of that, the way the guy just walks in and out of the scene so effortlessly. But just, you got to give it to Robert Costanzo. He is not celebrated enough, and he's just wonderful. Every time... He graces us with his presence and his beautiful, smooth, sultry voice. I just want to spend a lifetime with this guy. He's fantastic. Put him in more movies, please. That's my
0: highlight. Yeah, I totally agree. This this is very much, this is Costanzo's minute. Since we can't pick the same highlight, uh, I also defaulted to... (laughs) It's a raid! It's the cops! Uh, side talking guy who's credited as customer at the Club Ritz he seems more like he works there yeah or maybe he just works for Lips but he's off duty tonight and he just he's giving him a courtesy call something like that just uh, well patronizing the Club Ritz but uh, justice for Jack Keogh getting credited properly in this film absolutely
1: and 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 thank you Al Pacino for uh, for getting your your buddy's roles in the movie I guess
0: <laughs> hey Keo gets Keo cooks his own dinner oh sure
1: <laughs> You can have some of Lips Manless's oysters when he's finished with them. Oh, gee, thanks, Al
0: Pacino. No sweat, buddy boy. Do you think in universe Lip- <laughs> Lips just has a circle of vulturous uh, hangers on waiting to collect any oysters he leaves behind? Oh, mercy. So, yeah, There that's- will
1: be no craft services on the set of Dick Tracy. <laughs> Sorry, I lost
0: it there. What was that, Pacino? (laughs) Mercy. So Lips has unfortunately gotten down to his last plate of oysters, uh, whether or not we know it, whether or not he knows it, um, as he has to talk to this cop. And that closes this minute. Next minute, things get real scary, and we start to get into the kind of childhood trauma-inducing scenes of this film, of which there there are a few... (laughs) Yes, there, there, there definitely
1: are a few. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of things that kind of kept me awake at night uh, as a nine year old. But yeah, very exciting minutes. Looking forward to the, 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 next couple. We, we really get into the, the juicy meatiness of the, this uh, prime rib steak <laughs> of a movie. So,
0: bring it on, big time. So we hope we see you see there and uh, follow us uh, on Instagram now. We've got the Instagram running. Dick Tra- Instagram at Dick Tracy Minute. Uh, And also join the Dick Tracy Minute bullpen on Facebook, which is the group for fans of this podcast to uh, follow along and chime in with any Dick Tracy related paraphernalia, discussions, nonsense, all that fun stuff. We hope we'll see you there and we hope you'll tune in next week. See you later, dickheads.